Accounting Insider. This is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. With Kim Metzkin. It's achievable for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, you, there's no reason to stop. Yeah. You just get better and better at it. And you just make so much money out of it. Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. Now, Kim, it's good to be back. And of course, you've just coming off a cracking experience that you've had. Um, you love your cars. Mm-hmm. And for a man who loves his cars, um, it doesn't get much better than um, an amazing drive day. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So my stockbroker, Wilco, amazing guy, he just sent me a text out of the blue about four or five weeks ago, I said, are you interested in going on a drive day at a racetrack at Mount Gambia? And I've been on these drive days before, and, you know, there's a lot of sitting around and kicking tyres and waiting, and then when you finally get in the car, it's like half an hour to race around a track. And I asked him if it was going to be like that. He said, no, nah, not like that at all. This is, we're going to wine, dine, have a great time, come along for the ride, and we'll introduce you to some of our top-end clients. So that was a bit of a carrot. I thought, yeah, hey, look, life's too short. I've been burning the candle at both ends lately. Why not take some time out? You know, and just bite the bullet and go. Mm. So I did. And then the texts started coming through, by the way, we're getting a private jet. I was like, what? You know, who are these <laughs> rock star guys that I'm going with? Anyway, the private jet fell through because the guy who owns the private jet company couldn't make it, so we went on domestic air aeroplane but they paid my airfare went down there I was going to video it Um, it just all started getting momentum it was just this awesome experience Mm. so I mean it started basically when we arrived at Adelaide Airport nothing too early got there about 9 o'clock in the morning I rocked up two other stockbrokers rocked up all these clients that I was expecting to come along didn't exist so it was one 70 year old farmer (laughs) and us basically (laughs) And I thought, well, I've lucked out, but let's just have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we, we jumped on the plane. I sat alongside of one of the stockbrokers who was a passionate Porsche guy, like me, 10X. And we talked on that plane for one hour, full stop, of, like flat out, mm. over the engine drone, about 928s, 968s, 930s, 911s, everything. He'd been there, done that, and he was a super intelligent guy mm. who'd, who'd got really good bang for buck and had three Porsches and everyone he'd sold he'd regretted he'd made money on but just had an awesome experience with them and had some really creative ideas about what he thought were the next going to be the next big things in Porsche Mm -hmm. so we got off the plane and you know when you've been on one of those flights and it just seems like five minutes yeah yeah and it's over so and I hadn't met this guy before so we were like BFFs when we got (laughs) off off the plane and then so we we got down to Mount Gambia the dealership Principal yep. arrives and picks us up. Now, so, I thought that's... So is this run by the Mercedes dealership? Yeah, this is run by the Mercedes dealership okay. in Mount, Bar- at Mount Gambia. Yep. And it was a special AMG drive day. Now, AMG are the super sports models of the Mercedes dealership. Amazing cars. And this little dealership in country Australia is number five out of 55 dealerships in the number of AMG cars that they sell. It's phenomenal. Why? Well, it's, it, this, it's, this it's is the done. whole story that I'm trying to talk about today, but it's, it's networking, it's connections, ah. it's, it's whining and dining people, it's 
doing things for people that other people don't do. You know, going that extra mile. So this dealership principal guy, his name's Peter, he's best friends with Mick Doohan. You know, in that whole social set, used to race Group A race cars around the circuit in Australia. But all the people he met as part of that journey have all become mates, clients, customers. And all those guys have got plenty of cash and they love driving fast cars. So he picks us up from the airport. We all pile in and he's introducing us as we're sort of driving back. And we're in the latest Mitsubishi... uh, Mercedes Vito (laughs) van. Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi. Mention that. That's a dirty word. Um, So we're in this van, leather seats, all laid out. Like, it was really good. They're the vans that they... um like they move all the rock stars around yeah. in, when they're in town. So we're in one of them. And we're driving back to the dealership. We stop off at one of the wealthiest widows in Mount Gambia's house. And she's not expecting it. She's basically in her 90s. She's in her 70s. She's a lovely lady. <laughs> but he's great friends with her and he can't ever go past her house if she's out in the garden and not say hello. <laughs> he made a promise to her husband when he died that he would... Check in. He would um, keep an eye out for mm. her and, you know, watch her back. Mm. Not that there's anything to watch her back about, but just make sure that she yeah. was always, you know, looked after. Anyway, so we, we drop into her place. We're there for about half an hour. Then we get to the dealership and there's eight brand new Mercedes AMGs all lined on the street with all the, you know, insignia stuff on the doors. And mm. we, I didn't know a lot about Mercedes. I'm a Porsche guy, but the guys in our group, they knew all about them and they walked up to the most expensive cars and just, you know, it was just, they were salivating mm. looking at them. Whereas I was just sort of thinking, oh, yeah, no, whatever. Anyway, we went inside, had coffees and they had, um, you know, a spread laid out for morning tea and it was great. And then, so we, we walked outside. We must have been waiting for a few mm. people because there was a bit of a delay. And then it sort of all happened. Um, How many people were there? There was eight of us. Just so eight. four from Adelaide and then there must have been four from down there. Yeah. And eight cars, which is, you know, most of these drive days, there's 16, so you only spend half your time driving and half the time you're waiting in the passenger mm. seat. Um, so it was all very relaxed. Mm. Like the guy who was the lead car was the, the lead salesman from down there and he basically just said, G'day, can I photograph your licence, basically, so if we get a... Speeding ticket, it goes to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> and and you had to sign a little screen, you know, with your finger on the... Yeah. Like, like when you get a, um, you know, courier delivery in the office. So, and then I said, I, I asked him, look, if we crash these things, what's the excess? He said, oh, 10 grand. I thought, whoa. Jeez. That's a lot of money. Yeah. But the cars we were driving were half a million dollar cars. Right? And... You know, there was no questions about are you a rating one driver or, yeah. you know. They just like, throw the keys. It's like, have you, have you got a driver's licence here in Aussie <laughs> over 18 with a heartbeat, jump in and drive. <laughs> so I jumped in. I don't know. I just, I was just happy to be there. And I felt like I was, an, you know, yeah. an extra man, the 12th man of the group. And so I just jumped in one of the cars that was not the most um, wanted, sought after car. And that was fine. And I, I was sort of wanting to do a video log, mm. but I had camera troubles. But, but at that point, it was all great. But my camera was sitting on my passenger seat and I was trying to get that all set up as I was about to go, before we were about to go. Mm. 
and the, the, the lead driver was walking down just talking to everyone saying is everything okay and everything and then he looked in my window and he goes um, you might want to do something about your camera and I thought maybe I can't video it you know because mm. people have told me to stop shooting before and I said what do you mean he goes oh look we're going to be driving on country roads we're going to be going pretty fast you might want to strap your camera in with the seat belt into the seat so it doesn't bounce around in the cab and I, I looked at him and thought hang on <laughs> You know, what, what, what have fa- I got myself into? How fast are we going? How fast are we going? <laughs> anyway, like so... Fast and the Furious part, what is it, eight or nine? But I was, I was still fumbling around with my, you know, I was in a bit of shock, but I was still fumbling around with my camera. And, and I was car about six. By the time I'd worked out, it was time to leave, I couldn't get the bloody thing in gear. What, the car? Yeah. And they're thinking, who is this amateur? So half the group had gone and there was one rule. The one rule was you weren't allowed to overtake anyone, right? It was the only rule. So you had these two frustrated blokes behind you. (laughs) (laughs) Two guys behind me. And I'm like panicking in the cab thinking, how the hell do you put this thing in gear? I've driven heaps of cars, but this is really unique. Like it's basically gears up on the steering wheel. And you have to pull it down to put it into gear. And I was more interested at that point. I probably spent a couple of minutes trying to get the stereo working. Mm. Couldn't get that working. <laughs> Gave up on that. Just tried to get into gear. Anyway, we, so we lost the group. Someone, one of the mechanics came out, saw that I was in trouble. And <laughs> I wound down the window. And he uh, put it in the drive for me and away we went. Yeah. All autos. And we, we had an awesome time. We were just burning around the countryside. I was in... Like we stopped every, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 k's. We would have done 300 k's for the day and we'd rotate into cars. Mm. And as we got into the different cars, the speed we were driving sort of picked up a bit and as we're taking off, we'd sort of spin the wheels a bit. Yeah. And these cars are amazing. They yeah, were, how do they compare to the other cars you've driven, particularly oh, Porsche? Amazing. Like Porsche's sort of a bit different because I like the old things, the old clunky, noisy, mm. air-cooled ones the vintage ones, whereas these are like state-of-the-art, latest and greatest, but they are so cool. Like, they backfire and you can hear them rev and they're V8 engines and they're bi-turbos and and the power is just like you've never seen before. So the one that I liked and sort of earmarked as my own was the S63S, which is $500,000, black convertible. Good. You so had, had a chat to the wife when you got home and said, <laughs> made just, a new purchase. Oh, it, I finally worked out how to use the stereo. It was just insane. I had Triple J blasting through the stereo. I'm on these open roads doing the limit and all my paperwork's flying out like a <laughs> dealership. Because on the passenger seat they had brochures about, well, this car is, you know, $500,000. Yeah. This is its more. I'm flying down the highway. All that paperwork's blind. <laughs> I can picture it now. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, we had it. We, we stopped up for lunch. Um, I think it was Port McDonald. Seafood, white wine, on the beachfront in a beautiful little restaurant. Not too much. I don't think we actually had any wine. No, we weren't allowed to. No, that's right. It was just um, soft drink. It sounds like you're correct. You're checking your shot there. Anyway. Well, no, we, we no because you, I did think about it afterwards because if. Say we had $4 million worth of cars, mm. someone had a crash and there's alcohol. Yeah, trouble. I don't think head office would have... Trouble. 
would have been too happy about that. So 300 k's of driving. Yeah. So we did that. Um, we got back to the dealership after doing this amazing loop around Mount Gambier, which was just, you know, we went through sort of all the forests down there, um, where all the logging takes place. It was just so pretty. And then along the beaches, there's Glenelg River down there, so we pulled into some little um, alcoves along the edge of the river, which had all the old shacks, which, you know, those fibro shacks made out of mm. corrugated iron, all that. It was just so beautiful and pretty. Got back to the dealership, and then it was time for dinner that night. We went to, I think it's Manyara Wagyu Station. Now, this was another experience that mm. was just totally new for me. This is Wagyu steak which is a Japanese style of steak with lots of fat through the meat and it's unreal this guy he came in because he'd sort of heard that there were some heavy hitters in town the dealership excluding me excluding (laughs) me the other guys excluding me he he brought in all his brochures so he'd driven in 45 minutes from his cattle station to give us all these brochures and then the owner of the dealership sort of put him on the spot and said hey, why don't you open up the restaurant for us tonight and we'll all come out there for dinner? And he sort of, you know, thought about it for 10 seconds and said, yeah, that's fine. So he organised his chef to come in and his chef had cooked for Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolly. Wow. You know, we had the whole... So this chef is going, Pitt, Jolie, (laughs) Nitschke, just reeling it off on his little resume. There's no connection at all, but... (laughs) We, we got to the cattle station on, just on dusk and he took us around and gave us a tour. It was 700 cows standing in a shelter eating Mars bars, what? cherry ripes, flakes. We, like, this is crazy, but the, the guy, Scott, serious? who owned the, the station, he just went down, grabbed a handful of this feed that they're eating. It wasn't in their trough, but it was in like the shed across the, across the road from their trough. And then just gave us a handful each to eat. <laughs> and we're standing there chewing on it. <laughs> this is weird. But they feed the cattle the chocolate so they put on weight. Oh, jeez. They buy the seconds from Cadbury at Bendigo or wherever it is. But what? That's remarkable. I thought that that was all just part of the folklore behind yeah. Wagyu beef, but it's a true story. I saw it with my own eyes. Anyway, this, this steak was just... To die for, and and you know, in typical chef style, where there's a good chef, mm. they explain to you the story behind what you're about to eat, and we, we were all just mesmerised. It was fantastic. So there was, might have been ten of us at that stage, all sitting around big, it seemed like a stainless steel bench in the in the kitchen, just eating steak as it was coming out, and beautiful wine. It was just, it was amazing. So no, but so where is this all going? I guess no, no, I was just uh, I just can't get over the, the cows eating cherry yeah. up in Mars bars. This, but so the, that happened, and then so you got to understand this is all perfectly orchestrated. We've yep. got these eight cars. We left the dealership. We drove out to this restaurant, which was forty five minutes out of town. Mm. The dealership organised the staff to come out at, like, 9 o'clock and take all the cars back so we didn't have to drive. Like, they did that outside of work hours as a special favour. And then this old guy, Kelly, rocks up at 80... He's he's 85 years old. He rocks up at 10.30 at night in that Vito Rockstar 
van again to pick us up. And, you know, it was one of those classic moments. Like, this was just, he was just such a nice guy, so humble, mm. so um, giving of his time to come out there when all of his counterparts are either dead or fast asleep. And he sits down with us, and then the Peter includes him in the conversation. Yeah. So we're sitting around this table, bench, and he, he includes Kelly as part of it. Not like he's sitting in the corner, mm. arms crossed. You know, he, he became very much... Like, I just... It really stood out to me that that was just a really... Inclusive refle- part of the group. It was a really good reflection of character of the... Mm. You know, the, the dealership principle and what he was truly like. Like, you know, he could, it would have been so much easier and you would think normally that he needs to have this persona where he's impressing everyone and he's talking down to others and building himself up. But it was the opposite, you know, and that, that stood out amazing mm. to me. And, and the other thing was after that dinner, we all got into the car and we, dro- we drove back to town, drove back at about 85, 90... Because he was a very conservative driver. <laughs> and then we went to one of the guys who was on the drive day's house. Right. His wife had died, but he was... Not that night, I hope. No, no, no. Ages ago. But we went to his house and he had... He was a car freak as well. But he'd done very well financially. Had a beautiful house. Brought out some Penfolds WR, uh, RWT and some velvet glove... Molly Duca. Now these wines are really expensive and we're just standing around and he's just filling our glasses up front and centre like, like it's nothing. He had a Corvette Stingray parked in his lounge room. What? <laughs> You're talking about cows and Mars bars now. Corvettes just parked in lounge rooms. Who are these people? 1969 Corvette. And then he had an E63S which I'd never heard, but I knew all about it that day because it, it was a beautiful car. And, um, yeah, so we were there till 2 in the morning and we crashed. They dropped us then back to our hotel rooms after that. But oh, but we went to McDonald's. <laughs> Just <laughs> to like, wash down the Wagyu steaks. <laughs> we pulled into the drive-thru. And Peter orders. He didn't ask us what we wanted. He just said, 10 Big Macs. Ten fries, <laughs> ten fig shakes. <laughs> like, we really, we've been, <laughs> we're so full, we couldn't eat another thing. So he's handing them out to people in the car park in the drive-through waiting bay, saying, "Look, we've got too much. Do you want?" <laughs> it was, oh. You know, just generous art. Like, <laughs> super, super generous guy. So for the for the podcast listener out there, who's going, "Well, Kim, that's great, mate. It sounds like you had a, a cracking day." What do you got for me? What did you learn? So the learnings are good old-fashioned country service, right? This dealership, right? Everyone, like I'm a raving fan of the dealership. I had such a good time. They wined and dined us. They didn't know me from a bar of soap, but I felt like part of their team, part of their group, part of their fold after I'd spent one day with them. Um, I quizzed them that night about, because with these dealerships you've got regions that you can operate in. So I'm in Adelaide, they're in Mount Gambia, but they can sell cars to people in Adelaide. They offer door-to-door service. They can do servicing. They deliver the car. They, they basically, 
they've come up with this creative system where it's no impediment to buy from them and often their price is more competitive mm. than the local dealership in town. So where do they can, where do they rank compared to the other So in terms of the I'm not sure in terms of the actual size of their business but in terms of selling these high-end sports cars, they're number five in Australia. So they're really punching above their weight. Mm. But it's because they do all of it. The, they go the extra mile. Mm. They, you know, there's all those cliches about the one percenters, but these guys do it, and I experienced it firsthand. So as a result of that, everyone I know who's got a Mercedes, and all they wanted out of me was to say, look, if ever any of your customers are buying a new car, could we please quote on it? Mm. There's no problem at all. It's like a bonus for the clients. And it's happened a couple of times since then. And I've said, look, um, get a quote from these guys. Even though they're there, um, they've got systems where you won't be out of pocket at all. It won't be an inconvenience to be dealing with them. So I'm like thinking all the time about, oh, that person's, you know, that I know is going to be updating their Mercedes. I'll get them to call. You know, just all of that. Like, mm. And I think it's not just me. They're doing this with lots and lots of other people. Yeah, it's that amazing customer experience. When you think they invest so much into it, but as you say, they're moving cars, assets that are worth half a mil. Mm. So why not put in the, the, um, the effort? But then when I think about it, when you were talking, talking about, you know, these guys, they, they get so hands-on into this customer experience, create this amazing way of looking after their potential or top customers. Really, we all should be doing that. Because when you mm. think about it, as an accountant, and we spoke about this earlier on in the podcast series, your lifetime value of a client probably isn't actually far off that same amount. You know mm. what I mean? So really, there's no reason why someone like you or another accountant or other people in professional services or other people in other fields shouldn't be investing in the same way into this customer experience. Oh, I agree 100%. Um, so there's a couple of other learnings as well. Um, one of them is uh, there, were, there was a financial planner on the drive day and, I mean, unfortunately, as soon as you know of someone else who's in your field, you don't gravitate towards them. It's more of like a bit more like um, the opposite. Yeah. Um, anyway, after the drive day, so I sort of said hello and we sort of, you know, we'd sort of interacted in a couple of conversations during the day, but not a lot. Anyway, we got back to Adelaide and he went and sort of like looked up me on Facebook and we became friends, which was cool. And then he went and looked at my YouTube channel and watched all my videos. And then he wrote me a really nice facebook messenger text that came through and it said look really enjoyed the drive day had an awesome time i've looked at all your vlogs it was really inspirational i showed it to other people in my office um if ever you want to catch up let me know so then i texted him back and said oh yeah what's your phone number and then i rang him last week and we had a half an hour conversation we just had so much in common he'd been the local westpac branch manager he's now set up a successful financial planning practice down there he specializes in the fishermen and my ears sort of started mm. um, tuning in to what he was saying. And, you know, he's got this whole captive market down there. Mm. And when he's coming up to Adelaide next time, we're going to hook up and we'll be able to work together, even though we're sort of, an, I'm not really in competition, but there'll be ways that we might be able to 
work together mm. and collaborate. And I think that's really important. Like, um, out of me going out and having good time, there's other business opportunities, networking mm. opportunities that are coming out of it. The other one that came up too is this salesman that was the, the lead driver. He really was blown away with how successful my Porsche page has been on Facebook. Mm. So he just was all ears about all that because they'd done a bit of Facebook stuff and then that person had left. So they sort of hadn't really done anything in the social media space. But so as a gift, I set up a Facebook AMG page, um, you know, and then I promoted it in my Porsche group. 200 people joined in the first 24 hours. I sent him that mm. and made him an admin on that. And he was, he was really mm. tickle pink by that. So, but, you know, he, he's already, every time they deliver a new car, they have to physically deliver it. So he delivered one yesterday in Perth. And he was travelling through Adelaide and he said, look, can we catch up for lunch? And that was just phenomenal because that's just a reflection on the fact that we're going to have this great relationship yeah. for years to come. And there's so much opportunity there. Like, I fell in love with these cars. Like, mm. the Porsche are great for collectors, but they're not really everyday drives. These Mercedes, they were just mind-boggling stuff. You, nothing better than driving them every day to work. Mm. Just the best car in the I also realised that, and, you know... This, this is probably a bizarre thing to say, but I, I was pulling into that car park that night in that $500,000 car, handing the keys back, and I, I was walking around, I went over to Wilco, my stockbroker, man, and I said, I just can't believe how much pleasure you can get out of driving a beautiful car. Yeah. You know, everyone overlooks that. We all economise, we all skimp and save. When I told the boys how much I was paying in school fees... Um, they said you could basically afford a car here on the lot for what you pay for a fraction of that. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and because I think you're right, I think so many people focus on the economics of buying a oh. car. Because uh, let's be honest, as an accountant and financial planner, it doesn't really make sense. It goes against everything I've ever said. <laughs> and I hate that. But I'm hoping that an opportunity... What's, a, what's the point of... Working your ass off mm. and earning if you can't actually enjoy any of it. That's exactly right. That's where we as accountants, you know, we, we need to let go of the reins a little bit because mm. we're so focused. We've been so trained on tighten the belt, tighten the belt, tighten the belt. But every now and then you have to just indulge. Treat yourself. Mm. Well, thank you for uh, sharing that. Fascinating. So I'll, when when can I get to that level of coming to one of those days? I've got a Mitsubishi Triton. Could I maybe bring that down? Is there a Triton drive day that you can get me in on? I'm sure there is. I don't think it'll be as much fun. No, it'll be more just kind of like <laughs> delivering bricks with tradies and stuff like that. <laughs> Sitting around drinking ice coffees. <laughs> Thanks for listening. To connect with Kim, go to accountinginsider.net. This is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. With Kim Metzke. It's cheaper for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, you, there's no reason to stop. Yeah. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it.